0: All right,
1: West Side, Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. If you're using that paperback Bible and you don't, count, you don't know where the index is, uh, page 132 is in that Pew Bible. When you get to Numbers chapter 11, look up at me and say, Jesus. 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 Amen. Amen. Upon the conclusion of the reading of the text, because we are thankful for God's word, I will say, This is the word of the Lord, and you can respond with, Thanks be to God. Please have your eye on Scripture. Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and Moses prayed to the Lord, and fire died down. So the name of that place was called Taberah because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving, And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and its appearance like that of bdellium. The people went about and gathered it and ground it in hand mills or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. When the dew fell upon the camp, in the night the manna fell with it. Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly, and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not found favor in your sight, that you lay the burden of all this people on me? Did I conceive all this people?" Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore to give their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. If I find favor in your sight, that I might not see my wretchedness. This is the word of the Lord. We
0: are glad that you're here with us today as we continue in our sermon series entitled Attitude Adjustment. And so we sort of confessed and recognized last week that um, we all need an attitude adjustment. And what we're doing is really the reason behind this is going into the holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas and the first of the year. Um, We also recognize that it is a fun and joyful time, but it's also stressful. Sometimes it brings up memories of family conflict and things like that. And we just wanted to prepare ourselves going into this season to have sort of the right mind frame and, and attitude, if you will. And what we said last week was is that our attitude is the lens through which we look at life. And last week we, you know, had the glasses and basically we put those glasses on and they were of bitterness and entitlement and all of those things. And we said that when you look through those lenses, that's all that you see. And we realized that God's word speaks to our attitude. In Philippians 2, the apostle Paul told us to have this attitude or mind that was yours in Jesus. So so we learned last week what what Jesus' attitude was literally when he walked the earth. And we said how we change our attitude first and foremost is our attitude adjusts when we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord over our attitudes. And that's a pretty heavy statement when you think about it. Of course, he's Lord over the cosmos and everything like that. But when you get down to the day-to-day grind and recognize that Jesus is Lord over my attitude, you know, sort of the phrase, I'm just this way, this is who I am, those things don't, don't really cut it. We're called to submit our attitude. And today, we have sort of a new pair of lenses that we can look through. And today, we are looking through the lens of... I can't see a thing right now. We walk by faith and not by sight, right? Um, we're looking through the lens of, of complaining today. And um, if you put these lenses on, this is all that you are going to see and then this is all that, that you are going to do. And the reason why we're sort of looking through these lenses is I think um, out of any attitude, really, a complaining attitude um, reveals some things. But what's crazy about it is we complain so much as a society that there is now actually an official legal way to complain. It's called a consumer complaint. Did you know that? Like, like we, we complain so much that um, our government has in place a legal way that you can actually file complaints and deal with that type of stuff. And as I looked up what, what uh, some of the top 10 uh, lists and complaints were, I was astonished to realize 2.68 million official consumer complaints were filed last year. Now, that is intense, right? And here are the 10 areas where they were. And it's okay to confess if you've complained about one of these things. We're in church. We all need Jesus, right? Um, Number 10, household appliances. That dishwasher, man. That dishwasher again, right? The washer, the dryer. Um, Number nine, real estate. Because there's such thing as closing costs that adds to the price of everything. Um, Number eight was fraud, identity theft. Number seven was internet sales. And do you know what the number one complaint for internet sales is? Um, it don't look like the picture, bro, you know. Um, I ordered that, and it looked like this on the Internet, and then I came, it came to my door, and it did not look that way. Um, the number six was services, which would be like restaurant service or anything like that. Number five, utilities. People complain about utilities because when you kick the heat on, you have to pay for that, right? And so my bill is much higher than what I thought that it was. Um, number four is retail and dealing with clothes and things like that. Number three was building contractors, remodeling the home or stuff like that. Number two was credit cards and the bills. Um, yeah, just cut up your credit card. There you go. Woohoo! And um, number one, the number one consumer complaint. Do you know what it is? Can you guess it? Can you think? Auto sales. Auto sales, right? You sold me a lemon, and this thing did not turn out that way. But as I was reading this, and it's on our official government website, you can check it out, this is really the the thing that I want to narrow down on, and this is the type of complaining that we're talking about. 96% of people who complain about one of those 10 things never file a report or do anything about it at all. They just simply complain. Which leads us into our working definition. Here's how we're going to define complaining. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with no intention of contributing whatsoever. That's complaining. Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with zero intention of actually contributing to the problem or helping out to solve it. So I think a great example is um, what we all did on Tuesday or what I hope you did on Tuesday. Vote. Right? 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 lot of opinions about the government. A lot of opinions about taxes and things like that. A lot of complaining. But step number one is, did you vote? And if the answer is no, then shut your mouth. I mean, right? Complaining is expressing dissatisfaction with no intention of contributing whatsoever. Um, last Sunday, I watched Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers duke it out on the football field. Exciting game, that's awesome. And I found myself sitting in my recliner... In my living room, um, complaining about how they threw passes and how a guy caught. These guys are professional athletes, man. Are you kidding me? Right? If I tried to run a 440, I'd pass out and die. Okay? Right? But here I am, sitting in my recline. Those cardinals, they just don't. (laughs) What's my thing? Oh, I just can't. Right? Complaining, complaining with no intention of contributing to do anything. And what we're going to find out as we look at God's word Because that's what we need to study, right? God's word is that there's something underneath this issue of complaining. But Numbers chapter 11 is a pretty odd place to be, if you will, really. But it's right there in our text. Look at verse 1. Um, And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. But here's what you need to know a little bit of the background on Numbers chapter 11. So, Um, The book of Genesis ends with the people of Israel, the the Jewish heritage, just booming and multiplying because of the promise that God gave Abraham. Remember Abraham, right? Father Abraham had many sons. Remember that one, right? When you were in Sunday school eating the wafer crackers, sugar-free Kool-Aid, right? We can't have the good stuff. Anyway, and so they're, they're expanding. The promise is happening. But then the book of Exodus opens up, and they're in slavery because they forsook God's way. And so Egypt comes along and snatches them up, and they're in slavery, and they are begging to be set free, and praise be to God, he sent Charlton Heston to set the people of Israel free. And Moses steps in, right? And he leads the people of Israel out of, I mean, the parting of the Red Sea, the Passover, the plagues, the pillar of cloud, the fire, I mean, just incredible miracles happen. And what theologians call this section is the wilderness journey. So in Numbers chapter 11, it's about a year that they've been wandering around in the wilderness as God is preparing for them a promised land, right? The land of Israel. And so he's promising them this land, but there's some things that need to happen first. And then we see that the complaining Sets in, but here's what's interesting: this story and Numbers chapter 11 is told multiple places in the Bible, and actually, the Apostle Paul uses Numbers chapter 11 when he's writing to a, a group of believers like us, and he reminds them about this story. And this is what he says in First Corinthians chapter 10: We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble or complain as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer here it is now these things happened to them as an example but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come so be careful in lest ye fall interesting that the Apostle Paul says, hey, you guys, um, oh, yeah, uh, Christians, you guys need to go back and read Numbers chapter 11. Super important for you to understand the story of Israel. Why? Because Israel's story is our story. So just, just question, um, is complaining a problem with you? Right? Those of you who aren't saying anything, you're liars. Lying is your problem. That's okay. All right. I'm, right? I think all of us struggle with looking through the lens Of of complaining and there's something underneath there so we're going to obey the bible do what the apostle paul said and we're going to look at numbers chapter 11 to see what's here for us to understand this issue of complaining so we can adjust our attitude and have the mind of christ and so the first thing is this it's a really great point right off the bat um complaining is a sin just right out the gate point number one boom there you go right (laughs) Um, look, here's how the story goes. And the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. Really? God just split the Red Sea, the Passover, all of that stuff. But my misfortunes, right? We're going to have a lot of fun using that tone today. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outlying parts of the camp. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, I learned this this week. that So, so here's how it's going. They're, they're in the wilderness. They're complaining. And they're complaining about their diet, right? I mean, look at this diet. Their breath was kicking, man. Um, cucumbers, melons, onions, garlic. Like, goodness gracious, right? And they're complaining that they don't have any of this to eat. Where are we going? We don't know. Right? That's what they're doing. And then the anger of the Lord was provoked. The word kindled means provoked, right? The the fire has been stoked. So imagine this. Here's the scene. Let's go, you know, Steven Spielberg with it, all right? They're, you know, cucumbers, garlic, you know, and then like thunder and lightning come out of heaven and just, boom, fire consumes the outer parts of the camp, right? I bet that would stop the grumbling and complaining for a moment. You would think, but it doesn't. And I learned this this week, that even in that moment of God's anger being kindled and provoked, it says that it consumed the outer parts of the camp. The book of Exodus teaches us that the outer parts of the camp is where the trash, human excrement, and all of that was. So literally, this is just a side note, literally even in God's anger and His righteousness and His justice, there's still mercy that is found there for His people And so they're complaining about all of that. But here's what's important to understand. They've been given a ton of promises. Um, You know, the parting of the Red Sea, I mean, all of that stuff. That's a pretty big deal. So I would think that if God can do that, then surely he can get us through this wilderness issue, right? But it says that they had a strong craving and that they were complaining. Not even seven verses prior, listen to this. Moses is telling the people of Israel. We are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. I love what Spurgeon said. Always underline the I wills and the shalls of God in the Bible because if it has not already come to pass, then it will. I will give it to you. Come with us and we will do good to you. Here it is For the Lord has promised good to Israel. There's the promise, but look at the people's attitude. They're complaining. And we see that this complaining evokes the anger of God. The reason why I narrow down on the statement that complaining is a sin, because I think sometimes in our own sinfulness, we want the list of sins. Like, what are the lists? What are these so I can avoid these? Or like, what really is the line with my boyfriend and girlfriend? Or what's this thing about marriage? And, like, and the reason why we want to know is because we want to try to get as close as we can and then justify, oh, I didn't get over the line, Right? But listen, it's so much deeper than that. Listen, the people of Israel, this is profound, aren't satisfied with the promise of God. God made them a promise, and they're complaining about it. And so this is why sin is seeking satisfaction anywhere other than God. That's sin. That's a broad definition, and it should be. Because that's the lie all the way from Genesis chapter 3. That God told our first parents, Adam and Eve, you can have of anything in the garden but this. Which, by the way, parents, this is a great parenting principle that we can gather from that. God's permission far outweighs God's restriction. The Bible's not just a list of do's and don'ts. And anytime God says don't, he's a loving father and he means don't hurt yourself. If you do this, this will hurt you. But then what was the lie that the enemy said? God's holding out on you. So you don't need to obey him. You don't need to land on the promises of God. Go around him, and then you'll be satisfied. That is the essence of the brokenness of the human heart. And just think, I mean, it's anything in our society, right? Our society is not satisfied with anything, yet constantly seeking and pursuing, right? Right? So, I mean, like take the issue of sex. You're in Walmart and you're checking out and then they put the magazines right down there by the candy where the kids can see. And now you're like, oh, great, Cosmopolitan. That's going to be a great ride home. My kid's going to ask all these questions, right? And then there's the stuff on the front cover, right? 12 ways to woo sing, woo, woo, right? Next month, 25 ways to say, well, woo, woo, sing, all right. And then the next month's going to be 40 and then we're going to have the, right? Interesting, interesting. Our society is consumed with sex but not satisfied with it. Because sin is seeking satisfaction anywhere other than God. But then another reason why God's anger is kindled is because complaining questions God's ability. That's what they're doing. You've brought us this far. We don't have meat to eat. We don't have any of this. Uh, right? What are they saying? Um, God, I don't think you can handle this. I don't. I don't think you can get this right. I think you're holding out. That And then the God of the cosmos is sitting there going, you're complaining. You're expressing dissatisfaction with no intention of contributing. And by the way, they contributed nothing to be set free. They only contributed their bondage, right? So right out of the gate, we have to define it. Complaining is a sin. The second thing is this. Complaining spreads. Complaining spreads. It's right there in the verse. Look in verse 4. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. The word rabble there is a very, very interesting word. And it comes from Exodus chapter 12 verse 30. And this is the Holman Christian Standard Version, which I like the way that it shows this. It says an ethnically diverse crowd also went up with them. So here's what we know that when God saved the people out of bondage and slavery in Egypt, non-Jewish people who were there in Egypt, maybe some fellow Egyptians, also went with the people of Israel as well. Now, look at the progression. It starts among the rabble. The people who don't know the promises of God, and, and they start complaining and... Well, you know, remember whenever we would on our way to work in Egypt we'd stop by Starbucks and we'd get that thing and there's no Starbucks out here anymore and you know we gotta go out and bill. Remember all, all the time after work we would always go by and we'd eat those hoagie sandwiches, man, oh man, those were ain't no hoagie sandwiches around here now. And then it starts to then it starts to spread. And then apparently they appoint leaders, and it says that, that they're at the doorway of Moses' tent every day. Here's something I've learned about complainers. Um, complainers will never um, go to leadership themselves, they'll always appoint somebody else to do it. Right? So, ah, yeah, yeah, he's going to complain, and I'm, I'm, I'm expressing dissatisfaction. They go, Ted will tell him, go tell Ted. Ted will go tell that guy. They got Him and Moses used to play golf. Those guys will go out there and right? Yeah, yeah. And then they appoint it, and then look what happens to Moses. Verse 14, I am not able to carry all of this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. Right? Great lesson in leadership from Moses in the Old Testament, right? Leadership's hard. Sometimes I want God to kill me and take me out, okay? But do you see the spread? It starts with a few, then it spreads, then we get this, and then now it's even affecting Moses, Moses is like I, I I can't even deal with this. So you know that um, flu season's right right around the corner, right? And uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff around, um, you know, pictures like this that tell you how to stop the spread of of the flu and and everything. And even Sesame Street, um, you know, teaches you to sneeze into your arm to stop the spread and all of that. And so, if complaining is a sin and sin is a sickness, I thought that this would be fun today for us to learn how to stop the spread of the sickness of complaining. And so the first thing that we have to understand and do is this. If you have valid concerns about something, um, cover your mouth until you take it to the proper person. Okay? So cover your mouth and don't spread that in the break room or at the office or in the family or any of those things. Because there's actually a proper way to be able to do this. In the Psalms, we see that David says, I lay my complaint out before the Lord. Not, I lay my complaint out on Facebook all day long. So if you have a valid concern with an intention to contribute, cover your mouth. And then take it to the right person. The second thing is this. You need to dispose of any contaminated material, such as Facebook, Instagram, text messages, restaurants, and break rooms. you got to put that in a proper place, and you need to dispose of that, right? Hey, like, listen, newsflash. Um, if, if these, like, social media or things like if you can't handle that at times, just delete it and get off of it. I promise you the sun will still rise, and the world will keep on turning, baby, you know? If you know that I'm going to this restaurant and all I do is ever complain and do don't go. And hey, listen. Many of us complain constantly about our job, about our boss and all of that. Get a new job. That's a sign of wisdom. A sign of wisdom is not entering into a situation that I know the situation will overpower me and change My attitude. The third thing that we need to do to stop the spread of sickness of complaining is wash your hands in the waters of repentance and wash away complaining that you have done in the past or in the present. Do you know how powerful it could really literally be in your workplace, in your marriage, at your home, or anything if you went to someone and they didn't even know that you had complained? They didn't even know that you were spreading the sickness of complaining about them, but you went to them and said, hey, I've expressed some stuff to other people before, nothing like too major, but I've just expressed dissatisfaction with no intent to contribute. And you may not even be aware of this, but but I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I love Jesus, and that is not the attitude of a Christian. <sighs> Revival break out in the whole world, right? I mean, how incredible would something like that be? Um, how about this next one? Be sure... To keep up with your daily dose of Scripture. Do you know how difficult it is to complain with your Bible open in front of you? Do you know how difficult it is to complain and not do anything about it when you sit and you think about all that God has done for you in your life? Complaining is a sin and complaining spreads. And th- listen, those are funny illustrations just to try to get a point across. But there's actual implications to this. We, we know there's a spiritual implication because it hinders our relationship with God. It's a sin. We know there's a social implication. Like I don't know anybody like, yo, let's go hang out with Joe. That guy's the best complainer that I know. It'll be a great night of dinner and a movie with Joe. He'll complain about everything, right? Nobody's doing that, so that hinders you socially. But did you know that it also hinders you emotionally and physically as well? So Stanford Medical School did an experiment with two groups. The first group they put into a room and exposed them to complaining negative video footage, probably the news or something like that, okay? And they were exposed to that for about an hour's time, just negative, harsh stuff. The second group, they exposed them to positive affirmations, positive correcting statements, and those type of things. And then they gave each group a problem to solve. Do you know what group did it in double the amount of time than the other group? The group within the positive affirmations completed the problem in almost double the amount of time. And then the complaining group, it took them double the amount of time to actually do something like that. Then they hooked up their brains and looked at the neurons. And the group that was exposed to the negative complaining footage actually had damage in the neurons of their brain. That's what hindered them from solving the problem. That's serious. So what type of homes are we creating? The kids learn it from somewhere, right? What type of church environment are we creating? Complaining is a sin and complaining spreads. And then the third thing is this. Complaining separates us from God's blessings. There's more to this story. Later on in chapter 13, when they get to the edge of the promised land, God tells them to send in spies to investigate it. And so they investigate it and some come back and they're like, yo, we can't go in there, we can't do it. And then, literally, they're on the edge of the promised land. And then, this is what they say in Numbers 14. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. And the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled or complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness now. Wah, wah, wah. Why why is that so significant? Because in Exodus chapter 2, it says this. During those many days, while they're in slavery, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. And they cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do you know the implications of that? they are complaining about what at one time they were asking God to do and provide. God did what he said he would do and now you're complaining about it. Which made me think, am I currently complaining about something that at one time I cried out to God for? God, these kids, I just can't, God, I can't even. There was a time where I prayed for them. I asked God for them. This job God, I just need you to pray. i got to get this job, and especially the job that has those benefits because it's going to help out with the kids and do all of that stuff six months in. Oh, my goodness, babe, I'm going to get my resume together. I just can't even do any of church. There's no place to park, and look at all, we've got all these kids, we got all the... We used to have prayer meetings, and we would have a work day, and there was about 10 people that would come, and we had a little liturgy of prayers And we would pray for God to to bring people and for people to come to this church. And listen, I don't wear a cape up here, man. There are some times where I am frustrated and complain about what I at one time asked God for and to do. Do you see the brokenness of our hearts? Do you see how desperately prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, take my heart and seal it for thy courts above that, that we are so broken that we literally complain about what at one time we asked God to give us. And can you imagine what that looks like from his point of view? I mean, parents, have you ever had your kid or, you know, they, they said, hey, I want something, a peanut butter sandwich, and you make them a peanut butter sandwich, and you put it, it, it in front of them, and they're like, this? And you're like, hold up a sec. I mean, let's just step outside And let's deal with this, okay? Imagine that from our Heavenly Father's point of view. So what's underneath all of this? Why is this so serious? Why does the New Testament writers want us to look at all of this stuff? That complaining is a sin, complaining spreads, complaining separates us from God's blessings. Why in the world would God give us more blessings if we're complaining about the current blessings that he's given us? And the last thing is this. Contentment stops, I'm sorry, complaining stops with contentment. You will never find someone who has a content heart and has a complaining mouth. A complaining mouth reveals that there's an uncontent heart. And it's all about this manna, right? Verse 7, now the manna was like the coriander seed and its appearance like the... Yeah, Tyler said that great. Verse 8. And the people went about and gathered it aground in handmills, or beat it in the mortars, and boiled it in pots. Now here it is. When the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell with it. This is great. This is one of the great Old Testament miracles. So basically, God provided for them in a miraculous way that when the dew fell, that it had like a dusty, sort of like a flower in it. And then when the morning sun arose... And the water from the dew evaporated. Everything sort of had a dust and film on it. And they would gather that dust, knead it like dough, and they were able... It's like kettle corn from heaven. I mean, it's like, that's incredibly awesome and cool, right? And they complained about it. Because anytime the scriptures talk about food, it's actually teaching us about desire. Hunger is a desire, and it says that there is a great strong craving among them. Now, fast forward to 2018, this side of the cross. The people of Israel complained about bread that came from heaven. Does that sound familiar? In John chapter 6, Jesus says these words. Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. But then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Here's the big idea. A complaining attitude is cured by a content heart. And so if you're looking through the lens of complaining, it's because you need to look in to the window of your heart and ask yourself, Why am I not satisfied? Because how much more will we as the people of God be held accountable today? Because Jesus Christ, the true bread from heaven, has come. And let's be honest, what do we have to complain about? What do we truly have to complain about? Jesus would say later on in Matthew chapter 12, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So why do we narrow down to look at looking through the lens of complaining today? Because looking through that lens allows us to look through the window into our own heart. What are we unsatisfied with in our life? All of the marriage, the kids, the job, all of that is the fruit of discontentment. But the heart is the root of it. And Jesus says, when you eat of this bread, you'll never be hungry again. You will never thirst. The band's gonna come up and lead us in a time of response. And I'm gonna have you stand to your feet, and you have corporate prayer number two there in your bulletin. I would have you stand, and we're gonna read that out loud as we've read every week of this series. And what we're going to do is, is we are going to ask God to show us how content we actually are and everything that we have. So Westside, corporate prayer number two, and lift your voices out loud and read this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for pursuing us, even in our complaining. You remain faithful to us, We are not only thankful for your love that pursues us, but also for your truth that is perfecting us. In this moment, I ask that you would make me aware of what I say and think. Forgive me for my complaining. Give me grace and faith to see beyond my circumstances and to see you working in and through my circumstances. Lead me down the path of contentment. You are enough for me. If I have you, I have everything. Calm my restless heart and close my complaining mouth. I pray this and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and I pray that many people, as they come and approach the table and we see the true bread from heaven, your body broken, your blood shed, that we would leave the glasses of complaining there. What do we have to complain about? How can we be humbly bowed at the feet of Calvary and there see the very Son of God hanging for the sins of the whole world and complain? But rather let your grace flood our hearts to show us that we have everything that we need and we have it in Christ. God, I pray for some people who are gonna get in the car today or send a text message or apologize to their kids or talk to a coworker and say, hey man, my attitude this year, ever since school started, ever since everything, my attitude's been poor and I've just complained. And I've realized that's because I have other stuff going on. God, I pray that in that moment that grace would flood, relationships would be restored, and that you would stop this sickness from spreading and that we would leave this place knowing that we can be content with your promises. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious and the beautiful and in the perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen.